Welcome to a fresh perspective on business technology. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise. Presented by Rising, a Wipro company. You'll hear from business and technology innovators who know how to use the latest technologies and business strategies to transform industries, and importantly, how these technologies and strategies can be shaped to your business needs in your way. Help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to the lady with the nice voice, Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here. This is Rising Evolution. We've got a great show for you. I posted on LinkedIn earlier today, what are you doing in two hours and 30 minutes? Because we have a topic we're going to talk about that impacts every business everywhere in the world, regardless of where you are. If you have a customer, if you have a bunch of customers, you're going to want to hear this. So here we go. I'm going to start with a little poem that I co-wrote and I've established with my guests that I'm still human, right, Josh and Tara and Martin? I'll introduce them in a minute. I'm the human who edits what ChatGPT, the AI, writes for me. So here we go. Everybody listen up. In the radio waves where insights unfold, a journey today both daring and bold. That's for you, Josh. Digital first meets customer first. We explore a nexus of tech and experience galore. Tara Gamble. Way hello, Tara. SAP visionary at Elf Beauty's helm, crafting a journey in the strategic realm. With S4HANA private cloud and Elf's SAP delight, she shapes the digital future, painting it bright. Did you like that, Tara? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Very much. Very oh, much. good, good. And we have Martin Stenzig. He's back, the CTO with innovation in his stride. Take a stride, Martin. At oh, Rising yeah. and Wipro, where SAP BTP reside, driving adoption and benefits for the brand in this technological dance. Martin takes a stand. Do you like that, Martin? Love it. Need to add it to my profile somehow. I'll so. send it to you. And Josh <laughs> Greenbaum, our, I'll call you our provocateur. Industry analyst with 30 years in tow, pioneered enterprise software coverage in the 80s. He's in the know. Now advises where where we bridge tech expectations belong. His research in anthropology and evolution is strong. Josh, I did that myself from your bio. That was there good. You. Okay. Like that? So hosted yeah. by Bonnie D, our compass so true. See, I'm facing in the right direction. We decode the strategies old and new. Tune in, watch, or listen. It's your choice. We're Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise voice. What do you all think? Did you like it? Well done. Well Thank done. You. Yep. Thank new, you. New, new profession coming up. Yeah. There you go. Josh, I didn't like what it wrote for you. I had one word stumble in there, but I wrote that myself with the rhymes and everything because I wanted to acknowledge your very interesting bio. So welcome to Tara Gamble. I'm giving you the speaker order. Welcome to Martin Stanzig. Welcome to Josh Greenbaum. And a shout out, of course, to Sherry Ann. Well, she's Sherry today. Sherry Meyer and Hannah Hale, the two ladies who co-produced this show with me. And this is episode 11. We've got a couple more weeks to go. So let's go around the table and get bios. Tara, I have a little clock set for three minutes. We want to hear everything you've ever done in your entire professional <laughs> life and why you're here talking about this in three minutes. So, Tara, you're new to the show. We're so happy to have you. Welcome and go ahead. I'm putting you on speaker view. Go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. I'm so happy to be here and also in the presence of you all. And and when I think about what to squeeze into to three minutes, it, it is a bit of a challenge. I've been doing technology for, you know, over a couple of decades. I think back to my own ethnography, Josh, a little bit of, you know, this is pre-digital even when I started in the industry. And I have, you know, pretty much, I think, lots of notches on my belt for just about every kind of role in IT through the years. I've been really fortunate to partner with some amazing companies in my career, to your point, with really interesting customers. And I think that's also not just that external customer, but my internal customers, because the part of technology I've been focused on more than anything has been traditionally more back office. You know, that's I've been chasing that customer all these years is kind of how I feel about it, whether it's the one externally or my employees and the experiences that we can provide to employees, you know, through, through digital, et cetera. Right now, I have been at Elf Beauty for running on four months. So I'm one of the newer kids on the block. And like you said in your poem, we've got some real fun SAP work going on right now, Private Cloud with their RISE program, which has some very interesting concepts to it. But prior to that, 
I spent a nice period of time at Mod Pizza. And that's where we also saw a really interesting evolution during pandemic. So I got to experience that restaurant world when the world was going through a lot of different things and fits and starts. So how that customer experience, engagement, strategy, whatever you want to call it. And also that employee experience, while we had a lot that came to the table that I was really fortunate to get to manage in, in, through those times. And so I think it's it's uh, that red thread for me has been through all of this various technology, whether it's for accounting or for supply chain or for human resources or for payroll or for store management, you know, no matter what it is, that is been kind of my my mandate is to figure out what they're up to, what they're trying to get accomplished. And then as you saw the digital world kind of evolve around us in these last couple of decades, it's really how they kind of intersect with it, where they meet it. And Josh, I'm always fascinated with your anthropology background. That's a little bit of mine too. And I've often joked that I consider myself a technopologist because it's really about my beginnings in technology were training people how to use technology as they went from some green screens to some GUIs and it was like a mouse, this is a right click. So, you know, even going back to some form factor and then as that has just continued to evolve and now my daughter, who's just, you know, almost a gen alpha, you know, and just how they think and how they interact with things. So it's, it's really been a, an amazing, consistent, but wild ride in technology, Bonnie and friends, because it's just how things have changed and it's a bit of you know the cliche there it's what we're never going to see it as as slow as it is today you know because it's just going to get faster but just these I, I feel really blessed to have done this career in the industries you know that I've been able to uh, to partner with thank you Tara that's quite an interesting eclectic background and I have a question for you that's on everybody's mind well maybe not Martin but I know Josh wants to know what does EFLF mean <laughs> Elf, Elf Beauty. Elf Beauty. The E stands for eyes. The L stands for lips. And the F stands for face. But okay. we also stand with every paw and fin. Thank you very much. I know Josh asked me to ask you that. He was wondering <laughs> because we see the packaging and we just, I thought little elves were, I, I actually right. am a customer and I, I love your products. So thank you very much. Josh, I'm picking on you. I'm sorry. Let's go around the table. Martin Stanzig is back. Martin, I did the uh, frequent guest meter for you this morning. I ran the numbers and I figured out you've been on this show a couple of times. You've been on my technology revolution show. You're coming up in a couple of weeks on a drone topic. I figure as of right now in the world, there are 14.793 people who don't remember you. That's it. So why don't you, I, okay. I, Josh, I'm going to have to do one for you too. So Martin, talk to those 14 whatever and, and refresh their memory. Who are you and why is this topic important to you? Welcome back. Welcome well, back, Martin. Go ahead. Thanks for having me back. Uh, and I hope that's a good thing. Let's, let's start with that. Um, to the 14 point something people that don't know me yet. Uh, my name is Martin Stenzig. I'm the chief technology officer at Rising and, and sort of have a double role. I'm also, you know, a mouthful of global head of SAP business technology platform at Wipro. So that doesn't say anything, uh, you know, to the 14.9 people out there. What it really means is I'm trying to use technology to make life better for our customers, um, especially SAP technologies. That's sort of what we're focused on. And we're always sort of pushing the limits of that SAP technology boundary uh, further and further out. And that's sort of the exciting stuff um, that, that we're doing. So I always describe it as having the best job within the company because I'm allowed and, and actually encouraged to push the boundaries of what SAP is doing or can do to the limits and sort of see what else we can do um, you know, with the technology and in connection with other technologies. Um, Bonnie, you mentioned it you know, a couple of weeks from now, we're talking about drones in connection with SAP and with a with the environments uh, today, we're talking about sort of the customer limitations and then the customer inter integrations and the digitalization in, in SAP. So all of that is the exciting stuff. And yeah, at the end of the day, for me, even though I'm a, I'm a lifelong techie and coming back to what Tara was saying, I was just thinking about the first internet brunches I did in order to uh, tell everybody in the spectrum of 7 to 79 what the internet is back in the day. So yeah, that sort of ages us. Um, but 
But what we're doing these days is uh, to really find the the business benefits. So as I as much as I like technology, um, and we'll get back to that later, you know, I, I'm still in the mode of the business guy that actually wants to drive efficiencies or customer satisfactions or safety, you know, for the business by utilizing technology. I'm not a friend of just throwing the next toy out there just so that I have the next toy, but it actually needs to make sense for for everybody in the room. Thank you very much. Martin, talking about going back in time, uh, I remember when I was an early customer of something that had three letters, Tara, it was called AOL. And I remember when they sent used to send you free disks to load the system mm -hmm. in. And I was living in Great Neck, New York, and I was taking the train into the city for my job. I was working at a big, big bank, Chase or somebody, back in the day and when it was still Chase Manhattan Bank. And um, I, the handshake was so interesting, and you were connected. So I used to call some of my neighbors in who were captains of industries, were very, very high up uh, industry men, and I'd say, you want to come in and hear what it's like to get on the internet? And they said, what is that? What is email? And they came into my apartment, and I connected on AOL, and we heard the handshake, and they all said, wow, Bonnie, what in the world are you doing? It was just, I know I'm really dating myself. Thank you very much, Martin, and we appreciate Appreciate that. Josh Greenbaum, can't wait to hear your bio. Uh, let's just go say the same 14.987 people <laughs> that don't remember Martin, don't remember you. I'm sorry. Well, you know, okay. So I, because we're all competing for, you know, geezer uh, quality memories here. I'm so old that I actually started before there were real computer science degrees. Um, <laughs> and um, I had the good fortune of walking into an opportunity where I had an employee who wanted me to get computer science background. I had as sort of been, um, in, you know, intimated. I actually have a background in social science, political science, um, culture, all those good things. I still, that's really what I do with my time. And, and, and that's really allowed me to be a translator. And that's really kind of where I position myself. I, I speak techie. I get that world. I, I love it. I'm a nerd. I really am. Uh, but I'm also, a, you know, a person who thinks that, that humans and culture come first. Um, and, you know, and I, and I try to help my clients navigate that world. So I've been at this for, you know, a few decades already. Um, and, you know, and the stories never change. It's, it's, there, there's a, there's always a tension between the cool new thing, Martin, you are sort of alluding to, and, and I, I'm, I'm attracted to it. You know, I, I could, someone handed me one of those Apple Pro things, I'd probably stick it on my head. But on the other hand, I, I'm I'm a pragmatist. And increasingly, as I get old and crotchety or older and crotchetier, I'm more pragmatic in terms of, let's make sure stuff works and works for the purpose that it's that it's intended and not just because some technology geek thinks it's a cool thing and not just because we're following, you know, falling the lemmings off the cliff. So I'm sort of trying to there hold the lemmings back a little bit, um, and let, let's 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 stay grounded in what what works and what we need, um, and and really cherry pick, if you will, the stuff that 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 is going to move move us forward and, and keep us from from falling off that cliff in the process. Thank you very much. By the way, I read some of the hands-on reviews of people I know who either bought or were given the uh, Apple Pro Vision Pro, and one of them said he usually can stand a headset for one hour. He had it on for six hours. He mm -hmm. said it was the most amazing thing, but a lot of privacy issues, but that's not our topic today. Maybe we'll do one later. Thank you for the bios, all of you. No, we're not competing for geezer of the week, Josh. How could you? But I would just, I would just say nerd nerd of the day or uh, tech tech. I'm a Tara. I was key punching code in, um, uh, what was I coding? COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5, where when I was learning my, I got two degrees in computer programming and operations. And, and as part of my, not internship, but working in the, in the control room, computer room, I had to stand on a step stool and have a disc pack that looked like a cake carrier. Anybody remember those? And lift it into a disk drive and drop it in carefully. I was wearing high heels and, and suits and, and skirt suits in those days, and I had to trot back down off the step stool after I delivered the disk drive. It was quite a time. And then eventually I moved to code in PL1 on an IBM 4341, and then we had a terminal where we could enter our code and we didn't have to keep punch. So no longer boxes with 2,000 cards that could spill. There we go. So I'm I'm going to claim the uh, nerd of the nerd of the day. I'm <laughs> I think I predate all of you. It's all yours. Don't usually admit that, kids, but I still have my Cobalt handbook and the silver cover is still into and green bar paper. Okay, let's go on. Tara Gamble, you're first. Let's go to our 
We have quotes. You each sent me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song, and I'm going to read the quote with a little bit of background, and I'm going to ask you to take about two minutes and relate it to our topic today. So Tara Gamble has sent a quote from Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, played by Kenneth McMillan, in Dune, 1984 epic sci-fi film. Frank Herbert wanted a harsh-sounding name for the antagonistic family opposing House Atreides in Dune, he came across Harkonnen in the California telephone book and thought it sounded Soviet. So it is, in fact, a Finnish name. In earlier dress, see all the stuff <laughs> I dig up? The character was called Valdemar Hoskaner. Okay, so uh, set in the distant future, the story follows Paul Atreides and his, as his family, the noble house, is thrust into a war for the deadly inhospitable desert planet Arrakis. I'm going to leave it there. And here is the quote. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Tara, wow, I love the quote, but I have no idea what it means. Talk to us. Wow. And it's when, when I hear you give the history of it too, it takes me back, particularly to the 84 version. That was something that I know my dad and I were really into, you know, rest in peace, dad, we're sci-fi, you know, big sci-fi family. And the, he controls the spice, controls the universe has been just something we've quoted in our family quite often, actually. And now that the new franchise is out, I think it's breathed some life into it. And matter of fact, the second version Dune 2 comes out on March 1st, oh my, my birthday. So I think they just know how much I love this kind of stuff. And I, I to me, why it related to this, it's, it's a bit of an easy relation because you can kind of have a play with what the word spice could mean. But to me, in this context, the meta is digital. It's, you know, again, that digital customer. And but really at the core of it, I think, is data. And uh, that to me is is really um uh, when you think about where the digital and customer strategies um, do converge, can converge, should converge, whatever state that they're in, that that data concept of it to me is so important because that is where it begins with the feedback loop. And, you know, and Martin, I even heard you talk about it in your bio. You know, you're a fan of doing it for the right reasons, but not just the next shiny kind of thing. And so how do we even know what that could be? How do we even know what could be relevant to our customers whose minds are changing all the time? Yeah. Feedback loops, it's gotta be feedback loops. And so I think that, as we continue to talk about it, that's one of the big convergence areas for me is the digital technology around collecting feedback, storing feedback, mining and analyzing all of that feedback through whether it's right after I purchased something, tell me how I did. Maybe it's some kind of a periodic survey. You know, there's all these different methods and means that you can get that feedback, even in person, you know, not just the digital piece of it. So it's, it's really about using the data as the spice and the better that you can control it. And I also think those, those topics of compliance and, and being, you know, uh, taking care of, you know, customer data, PII in general, but, you know, not only does the industry enforce that, that's just good customer practice, you know, so you have to start developing those proof, you know, proof that we're taking care of things as well. So for me, it's about, utilizing that digital way to collect that data, do all of these various things with it so that you can inform your customer strategy and also your digital strategy, which to me is like the capability underpinning of it. You know, once I know what outcome I'm after, now I can start, you know, decomposing. I can start mapping it to certain business capabilities that I need to get to that piece of value. And then you can kind of takes you into a whole enterprise architecture exercise at that point. But it's the it's that control. The control of the spice for me was that control of the data and and how you're able to uh to continually keep that feedback loop. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Let me go to Martin's quote. This is a classic, it's a favorite. Dory, 
voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, Finding Nemo. Tara likes that too. 2003, was it really 21 years ago? American computer animated adventure film. Dory is the regal blue tang, a plucky, forgetful fish with short-term memory loss, starring all kinds of wonderful voices and uh, the story of an overprotective clownfish named Marlin, who with Dory searches for his missing son, Nemo. Marlin learns to take risks and comes to terms with Nemo taking care of himself. And here's the quote. Oh, wonderful. Just keep swimming, 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 swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. I'll stop whenever you want me to, Martin. Martin, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, it, it, it sort of it feels like us, you know, and um, and what I always want to tell my customers, just keep on swimming because it, it feels like we're never getting enough done in a, in a day's work. Um, and there's always a bigger goal. So, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to keep on swimming, you know, and 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 sort of continue uh, reaching for that goal. You know, with all the things that Tara just just mentioned, you know, um, it's it's sort of that. I always call it the North Star, you know, and, and a lot of companies sort of are challenged with even finding their North Star. But once you've found your North Star, sort of keep swimming towards it or keep keep running towards it. Um, and then it's just a question of velocity. How fast can you get there or how fast can you can you go? There will likely always be other things that will sort of, you know, deviate you from your from your course a little bit here and there. You know, COVID is one, you know, you have other other reasons why you can't get there where you can't make progress fast enough, but certainly don't stop. Uh, I think that's sort of the the opposite of it. Uh, we see lots of companies that are sort of getting getting bogged down in in obstacles and sometimes internal, sometimes external ob- obstacles. So, so my message to really the industry as a whole, specifically the SAP industry, is just keep on swimming. Uh, you're making progress. You're doing the right things. Just make sure that you're swimming in the right direction, not the wrong direction. So you don't want to swim backwards. You know, the message is swim forward and keep on swimming. I'm thinking of the Super Bowl on Sunday, and how at one point that no judge, at one point they said he went in the wrong direction. He just lost yards. But sometimes you need to find that hole to go back and then forward. So sometimes swimming probably is around the buoy. Yep. The other way, make a circle and then find the forward direction. Thank you very much, Martin. I love that quote. Let's go to Josh. Josh, I really want to sing this, but I don't want to ruin the show. Oh, and I was going to do it too, but yeah, we'd both be in trouble. Should we do it? Should we do a duet here? The quote is from Everybody's Talking, which the subtitle of that song was Echoes, 1968 song by Fred Neal, featured in the 1969 movie Midnight Cowboy performed by Harry Nilsson. Uh, version was performed by Harry Nilsson, reaching number six on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in a Grammy after it was featured in Midnight Cowboy. And Toby Cresswell, writing in 1,000 Songs Notes, said the song had parallels to the writer, Fred Neal's later life. Like the hero, he looked for fame to match his talents. He discovered success in his profession isn't all it's cracked up to be, and he wanted to retreat. Five years later, Neil rejected fame and lived the rest of his life in relative obscurity. And here's the line. Josh, I thought you'd appreciate that. Here's the line. I don't want to sing, but I'm trying not to. I'm going with I'm going where the sun keeps shining in the pouring rain. Going where the weather suits my clothes. Did I murder that or was it okay? Brilliant. Good. Okay. Nice. You, Josh, rescue me. Why did you pick this, and what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, when Fred Neal wrote that uh, back, I, my my note said it was sixty six. Uh, maybe you know, it first came out in sixty eight. It was really about retreating to a more meaningful place, and I think that that's you know it kind of got picked up in the movie for that that aspect of it. But he's saying you know we don't necessarily need to you know to have the the hustle bustle of the city, which is how it related to Midnight Cowboy. Sometimes we just need to go where where the weather suits our clothes. And and I, I think of that in terms of human experiences and user experiences, because sometimes, as we've already discussed, we're tempted, lured out into the 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 wild and crazy frontier, but sometimes you just want to go to the place where you're comfortable and where it makes sense. And um, that's maybe not always what the technology world wants us to do, not always what the vendor community and the hypesters want, but but sometimes that's the right thing to do. So I put that there for some balance. I'm also a techno nerd, but I, I like, like to have that. that perspective. 
I like that. And it's a lovely song. And it's a lovely song. And I remember when and where I saw the movie. And I remember the shock value of the movie. And yeah, that was some movie. Anyway, thank you very much all for the quotes. Now we're going to move on to our statements, discussion statements, and we're going to go to a true roundtable. Tara, I've picked your statement number four. I put it in the chat for you. What I'd like to do is I'll read it. It's brief and wonderful. And Tara, I want you to unpack it. And then I'm going to go around the table. I'm going to ask Martin to agree or disagree with that what you say, Tara. And then I'm going to ask Josh to agree or disagree with either Tara and or Martin or both. And then I'll pick a statement from Martin. I'll put it in the chat to you and then we'll go around. It'll be then Josh and Tara and then one from Josh and you get the drill. So here's what Tara told me in her statement number four. She says, in this digital era, trust is the most valuable asset. A customer first strategy is the vault. Every digital interaction is a deposit. Neglecting the vault jeopardizes the entire fortune. What a lovely metaphor. Very impressive. Even Josh is impressed. I see that. Mm, okay. Even Tara, Josh. Even Josh. Tara, well, he's he's the master. Of, I think. Never mind. Tara, please unpack this for us, and then we'll go around the table. Go ahead. Well, I think the low-hanging fruit aspect of it is, you know, data, you know, data compliance and the data protection and just kind of that bare minimum of what companies need to do to protect customer data. You know, I know we're not naming names of companies, but we all know whether it's through our, our world of technology or our world as a consumer, as a customer, all of those notifications that I have gotten through my identity services. Hey, here's another little bit that got out there and, you know, now they can trace it more and let you know where that came from. And then there's even the larger, large scale, you know, making the, the five o'clock news type, you know, breaches and whatnot. And whether that's from uh, a consumer facing product or whether that's back office technology, there's nothing that's sacred anymore from that type of, of activity. And, and again, as I was mentioning earlier about controlling that spice, it's the, the quote to me wouldn't mean the same as he who has the spice controls the universe. It's he who controls the spice controls the universe. And so it really is like, why would me, you as a customer want to give more if you don't have faith and trust that what you've already given is secure and not just in necessarily from, I mean, my technology person goes into the breach aspect, but even just being used in weird ways, you know, yeah. whether it's sold inappropriately, which is, I guess, another kind of breach, but also just in the way hyper-personalization can show up as well. And I think companies still struggle. AI is probably going to help that out an awful lot, just if you've got all those data pools, right? But again, it comes back to how secure is that data? How much is it you know, agreed upon that I've actually given you what's then coming back to me. Sometimes I think that whole advertising bit still gets a little freaky for some people when they have a conversation and then you come to your, your mobile device and you see ad space that just literally reflects what you were just speaking about. I wasn't involved in any digital method, but yet my ad space just changed. So I think there's all these, these what's going on here, you know, kind of the what's listening to me type of a thing. But I do think it's, I mean, again, I actually come at this from me as a customer, as a consumer, and, and why would I want to give you more if I can't trust what you've already done with it? Therefore, how will you keep up with me and how will you evolve giving me these outcomes that I continue to be after that are changing? And I think depending upon your product, depending upon your customer, your cohorts, you're after, some of them are changing so quickly. You can't, you can't miss that data. You will miss the moment. And then it's, it's a whole different story. Thank you. Very interesting. Martin, agree or disagree? I uh, wholeheartedly agree. And and uh, Tara already took all the examples that I had of, you know, the negative impact of, of what we're seeing. And I have the same experience as Tara. You know, I'm talking in the kitchen with my wife about, you know, the next vacation to X and Y. And then I'm going in front of my computer and I'm opening weather.com and suddenly, you know, here's the ad for that particular vacation where you're just like, no, this is way too weird. You know, you can't tell me that you didn't know or you didn't listen. So, 
So uh, that is that is the reality that is out there. I think when we're taking it even to the broader level, it's like, what does that mean? What do we need to educate our kids on? I mean, I have little kids and and I think the appreciation of privacy that, you know, Josh might go into is is one of those things that, you know, I would say is is sort of paramount that we have to educate these days because they don't even they don't even know better. Uh, they're just sitting in front of the machine and they're just bombarded with all of these different things, but they don't know yet how it fits together. So, and they don't appreciate that 20 years from now, if somebody opens up a video chat or Facebook in whatever, um, you know, it might come, come back to haunt them. So yes, Tara, totally agree with, with your statements around the, the, the appreciation, the spice um, part of the data. Um, I, I am, you know, let's go back to master data. Do I believe that um, master data and the quality of master data is imperative and can drive business outcomes? Absolutely. There's nothing worse than sending a different, uh, the the wrong uh, name to a customer and then sort of mixing them up. Um, so, you know, that is the starting point. But uh, all the the tentacles that are that are out there that we're seeing on the privacy side on the uh, user side is something that we have to get much better at as an industry, in my opinion, to allow me as the user um, to do to influence more as to what can be done with my my data. Now, Europe has the GDPR Act. We don't have that here mm -hmm. in North America. Some other countries have that. So I think that's the step in the right direction, even though I'm not a friend of of, you know, big and fat, um, you know, regulations. But I think we have strayed so far, and that those are some of the examples that Tara brought so far into the realm of, you know, my personal, um, my personal information is used now for political things, for for global aspects. That you know, we need to be careful at least, you know, if not enact some of those regulations that that are out there. Thank you, Martin. And also, you mentioned what do we teach and tell our kids about giving information and privacy and the tentacles? What about older people? who are dabbling on, I know, I know, yeah. uh, the eyeballs are, are rolling and I've bailed my mom out of some oh, yeah. poor, poor medical student in Arizona who who uh, took control of her computer and it was hundreds of dollars later to, to get it untangled. And yes, years ago. Anyway, she just said he sounded really nice. And uh, I know, I know. And we had to change her credit card too. And instantly we got rid of that. Josh, agree or disagree with Martin and or Tara in the other order. Go ahead. Yes, yes, and yes. And, you know, I, 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 it sort of reminds me of an old aphorism of mine, which is that, you know, integrity is the only thing you can take to the grave, really. And I think integrity in interactions of any kind, and those are business interactions, those are personal interactions, is really essential for trust for the kinds of kind of world that most of us really want to live in. And, and um, that is, you know, that that is that's all inclusive. So, yeah, what are you going to do with this relationship? This commercial relationship we're establishing. Are you going to exploit me? Are you going to you you know? Or are you are we going to have a an, an honest quid pro quo? Give me a good product. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a check that doesn't bounce. Um, and you know, and I think that I think that's fundamental. Personally, that's how I've always done business. I've been a sole proprietor for a long time. I don't, I can't fall back on a brand and a reputation and a and a bunch of marketing team to scrub it. I gotta I gotta earn it every day. And I think I think that's a good. That's a good perspective for all of us of any, you know, of any entity of any size is you, you got to earn it all the time and you can't squander it, exploit it or, 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 you know, or you'll lose that trust and that that's, that's the coin of the realm that should be the coin of the realm in life and in commerce. That's the core. Thank you very much. Tara, I appreciate the statement. I'm going to move on because I'm looking at the clock. I want to make sure we get one from Martin and one from Josh. Martin, I put in the chat for you statement number two. Let's get a little AI into the mix here. You say generative AI can simplify self-service processes and make them more efficient. The right combination of a chat GPT, and you mentioned Joule, J-O-U-L-E, SAP's version, like engine with access to the customer's information in a company's business system can improve the efficiencies of standard processes. Examples can be HR data update requests, detailed price information, or on which road a utility is doing major construction work tomorrow. Yes, let's make driving a little easier. Martin, go ahead, unpack for us. No, so I think um, we have all of this information that is in in our business systems, and I, I use the, the 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 example. You know, you you 
you have a child um, and you need to send a request to HR, you know, in the past, what we would do is we send an email, then we hope that a poor HR tech is now entering that information and they're typing the information correctly. So these days we have these these new technologies like generative AI, a chatbot that you know I can chat with. And if that if that entity is enabled well enough, you know, and that is always sort of the caveat, yeah, and it can do enough, then it should be and it is capable of updating all of that information or pulling information from the from the business system. So what we've seen is that ChatGPT, for example, was built on sort of the the web, you know, the, the content of the web. I think the next um, the next boundary we will break, and and I look to SAP to certainly help us with that, is to not only have that one-time trained content in the model, but have immediate access to, you know, functionality and access to the data that sits in your business system. Obviously, all under the under the governance of of um, proper proper safety and security. Um, but what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to to speak or at least form a, a general sentence and saying, hey, tell me where the next construction site is in my neighborhood. Yeah, and the engine should be able to retrieve that because we have that information. So if you know a technician or a, a customer service rep sits in front of a, a computer and can find that out, there's no reason why you know, a chat GBT like um, AI shouldn't be able to do the exact same thing. I think that's where we have the right combination of, hey, there is data there that we want to bring to the customer. Um, there's customer that that's are seeing value in it because I don't have to, you know, go through a intermediary to enter and, and key some information into a system, which doesn't really add any value. So I want to just either update or, or retrieve information. And those are the processes I, I like to automate because there's efficiencies there. The, you know, and, and you also take the 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 faults out. You know, let's go back to um what was it, nineteen ninety-four when I did my first pizza ordering delivery through the internet <laughs> on a web form. The funny thing was that they really managed to screw that one up on the way from the internet provider to the pizzeria. So out came the wrong pizza where you say, okay, this is a perfect example of digitalization gone wrong because they didn't automate the whole process. They just had somebody enter the web form and then somebody would literally manually fill out a form to the pizzeria and fax it to the pizza place. So gives you an idea of of sort of like okay, good intentions all the way, execution, you know, an F. Um, but that's that's sort of what we're talking about here. Thank you for the example. And Tara, coming from the pizza industry, appreciate that. Josh, I want to get your comments. Uh, agree or disagree with Martin, and then we'll go to Tara. Josh, um, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to agree with. Uh, you know, I think you know, obviously, artificial intelligence will never replace or 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 help uh, with the problem of genuine stupidity. And so we have to sort of set our limits a little bit appropriately. Um, and I do, I do personally worry about the, the problem of hallucination and the problem that, that we have, we have large language models that, that are so divorced from true human thinking and human uh, concepts, human, the soul of, 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 of what, informs our personal interactions that I'm I'm not exactly uh, the biggest fan of it. However, you know, my favorite sort of defense of artificial intelligence is that its main role is to take the machine out of the human. And to the extent that we can de-mechanize, if you will, human work so that humans can get the opportunity to to focus on things we're good at, which is this complex inference, this complex ability to interact with a complex environment and, and make and make genuine choices that that have a that again are based on on more than just a, a straightforward logical inference. Um, I think that's good. So I, I sort of stand in the middle of that. But um, you know, I, and certainly yes, it's very important to get the right pizza. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I but any efforts to make sure that doesn't go wrong. <laughs> Tara, join us. What are your thoughts on either or both, gentlemen? What do you think? Um, I, I agree. However, to me, I it, it's a bell curve principle. And what I mean by that is that the chatbots, I'll use that as the specific example. It's like they're only as good as how well they've been trained and how much data they have access to. 
So to your point, Martin, to be able to access more information in our business systems, that just gets better and better. So I think it's expectation management as well. Like, what do we want to point that stuff at? So it's not like bots gone wild and we get so mad at the bots. We don't want to use that either. And I think that, so I think that that to me is at the crux of it is how I have experienced it as, as a customer as well. And I think from a customer, like a, a design principle as as well, that there has to be a better uh, what next. So once we've exhausted that chatbot's ability and, you know, you're at that part of the bell curve, you know, like we were talking about, you, you need that complex situation management, make it easier to get there. All, all too many times, I, and I, that's, it's evolving. So I think it's evolving the right way. But have you been through that experience where you really do work it, work it, you're doing your best prompt engineering of your life and you just can't get that last thing. And you're like, don't put me back at that 1-800 number. I'm going to lose my mind. So yep. how we then keep that journey stitched along, I think is incumbent upon us as well. I would give you an example though, of where I've seen it work better in, in reality at the pizza joint we would send satisfaction surveys after your visit. And we could only do that if you were a loyalty member and you somehow you know, interacted with your loyalty. So we knew how to email you. And in V1 of that experience, we just knew generally what day, what restaurant you went to. And we could at some period of time send it to you afterwards. The V2 of that was actually looking at the transaction data and giving you relevant questions about your actual transaction. So we were able to see such an uptick in quality feedback. Yep. So again, back to, you know, this, this gold, the spice concept of more data, it couldn't have happened if you get these real generic, how did we do today? Which again is, you know, NPS has its place in the world, but you can't go very far with that. You need that next level. So we wouldn't have been able to have done that had we not hooked those surveys to more of it. Not necessarily necessarily gen ai but i think conceptually how you can involve using that data for a better experience yeah thank you very much and i will tell you that i get text messages asking for feedback not in form of a survey on every a doctor's office visit of the pa was evelyn uh, served you properly so and so from the the new soil care company I hired for my lawn here in Tennessee. I now have to have soil treatments in addition to mulching and aerating, and I don't even want to know. I'm supporting an entire community here. Uh, the point is that I don't know when the guy's coming. I have no idea what he did, Tara, but I get a, a text message from the company. I won't name them. And they say, how did Bob do? And I say, who's, I don't even answer because it's, they, you know, I, I don't know who Bob is. And I find a little door hanger on the door in plastic that tells me who Bob was and what he did. But I never saw him. I never met him. I never talked to him. I had no explanation of what he was doing, but I'm supposed to leave feedback. So even very small local companies are asking for data about mm -hmm. that feedback loop yep. you talked about. Yep. And I find it amusing. I ignore most of them. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Martin, for that statement. I want to move to Josh. We have time here. Josh sent me some very provocative statements. That's why I was teasing you in the beginning, Josh. The statement I wanted to use, you already mentioned. I'm just going to read it just because I can, Josh, and then I'll read the one we're going to talk about. Josh's number one statement is, the real problem with technology is those dumb users who keep getting in the way of perfection. Do you want to elaborate on that before I go to the, the other one, or should I move on? I think it speaks for itself. It's as a, long it as it understands, I'm, I'm speaking sarcastically when I say that. We knew that. We knew that. Here's the one, statement number three, and this uh, piggybacks nicely on what, what, the, uh, what Tara was just saying. Dirty data is the biggest impediment to digital transformation, and most enterprise data is a mess. That's a big statement in one sentence, Josh. Go ahead and unpack it for us, then we'll go around the table. You know, we're, there's so much unpacking. I mean, I, I you know, I've been following enterprise project failure. It's much more interesting to study failure than success. And of course, the the number two reason projects fail is 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 bad data, bad data transformation, bad data migration, bad data, et cetera, et cetera. The number one reason large language models are useless in the majority, or they hallucinate massively, is because of bad data. Um, the reason we have a, a lot of user experience, user interface problems is bad data. It goes on and on and on. And, and so, on the, you know, it's ironic because what this, this sort of statement also is that it, I declare 
you know, continually that I'm really in favor of this big push to Gen AI because it's forcing companies to look at the quality of their data and they're finding their data sucks and they need to fix it. Um, so I think I think that's a fast, you know, that's that's a, the bonus, if you will. But it's it's really it's been a problem. We, you know, every company, um, has, you know, I mean, my data might be a slight difference because you started a little bit smaller and maybe you had fewer legacy processes that you had to kind of move forward into the, the the new horizons. But if you somebody that's been around for more than five minutes has already has bad data, and and it's 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 the really it's it's the biggest problem. We don't do do enough with and the biggest problem that will continue to hold us back every single project i work on every single one ends up having a massive data problem and and yeah it just doesn't go away it won't go away um even if you want to have the purest back data back end the next week your board director is going to tell you to go buy this company sell that that entity and you're back to square one so it's it's a continuous process uh that we we have to keep in the background of all of our our, our, our forward-looking goals. We want to be customer-centric. We want to be digital first. We got to be data first, and and let's let's move from there. Josh, you I have I, I just let me jump in for two seconds here, Tara. Josh, whose job is it? The we have to fix it. We have to be more vigilant. We have to not have dirty data. Whose job is it? We talk about this we in this big abstract. Who does that? Who, well, the who, adult supervision in the room is the CIO, <laughs> but but you. the business but but the business owner. Needs to needs to stand up and you know, she or he has got to get their feet you know dirty as well because this is this is everybody's problem. Thank you, Tara. I apologize deeply for interrupting you. I just had to ask that question. No, it was just exciting. It's just exciting because you, you talked about you know kind of older, more legacy companies and that state of data. I think we're experiencing in the newer SaaS market. You've got some different kinds of problems, just in a different pair of pants because you've got this more modular swap. You know, it's like a swap shop out there anymore, especially in some areas. So, in my experience, especially at Mod Pizza, they grew so quickly. You just you can get these little SaaS apps to kind of fill capabilities in V1, V2, and then, oh my gosh, we've really succeeded here. We now need to bring in some, you know, V3 and more enterprise structured things. And then, so even some of the newer companies, I think, are also dealing with data challenges, not just the, the legacy. It's just, things are, it's just scattered. It's more modular. And to me, it underscores data governance and how you are also connecting that leg bone to the knee bone with data conversions, data management, and data governance in the business. Amen. Because that has got to be close to what their business processes are. And I think that's that's also an evolution that a lot of companies, I don't think, spend a lot of time in because it feels heavy and it can look heavy through those governance processes. But that's the spice, right? I was talking about spice mm -hmm. in the context of customer. That's that cut the organizational spice and how you're controlling, you know, your materials, your customers, your, you know, what have you. I Thank love you. how you put that. Yeah. Thank you. Good, good statement there, Josh. Martin, join us. Agree or disagree with either or both? You're up. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. I mean, let's let's unpack a couple of things. So, a couldn't agree more on you know good data is required to build a good ML model. Um, I always equate it to education. You, know? you you put some you know bad textbooks in front of kids, they eat up the bad textbooks, and you know they're probably not going to be educated the way you want them to. And it's the same with data. You know? So. So it's a, it's a, that's the, the, the same, the same piece here. As far as data, the challenge I have with, and, and, and where I agree and disagree is the challenge I have with data initiatives is that what we are, I think, doing badly for the past 10, 15 years is that we in companies, you know, realize that we have bad data. Then we're doing a one time initiative for $15 million in order to clean up the data once. Yeah? And then five minutes after that initiative is done, we are back to, back to square one because we haven't put anything sustainable into the mix that actually keeps and maintains that data. So um, it might not work for customer data, but in other areas, I'm actually looking sort of over the fence and saying, is there a possibility that AI might actually help us keep data continuously clean from external sources, from you know, so why don't we use AI to actually, you know, help us with the governance? And I'm not replacing, I don't want to replace sort of the the end-all validation of the customer data 
but you know we're struggling already with finding and completing data sets in in a lot of industries um and what we have let's give give us give you a concrete example we sometimes have asset data and the best asset data is out in the field so if if a customer is is walking by his gas meter and all they would need to do is take a picture of that and upload it to the utility company to validate that the serial number is correct yeah i should have an automated process that is ai based or even if it's if it's not using ai but it's an automated process that is updating the master data continuously i give the customer you know a, a discount the customer has done his job, they're getting a re reduction on their bill, and I just saved myself a technician trip out there in order to look at the at the meter in order to figure that one out. So those are the processes I envision we can do a lot more about to say, hey, a customer help me with maintaining your master data, help me correct it, you know, let's keep it and let's keep it validated um, continuously and not just, you know, a one-time effort, whatever we're realizing, Okay, the ship has already sunk. Uh, now everybody, and and that's usually Tara and, and and Josh. I don't know if you see that as well. But the business usually gets involved if it's really really bad. Yeah. So somebody got a letter that they shouldn't have gotten. Suddenly the the business is in awe, and the CIO, the poor CIO is suddenly getting put on the on the pedestal. It's like, why is your data bad? Yeah. And you turn around, and it's like, uh, well, you know, I've tried to create this initiative. We need to do this initiative right now. You know, because now it's important. And you know we blew something up, or a customer is unhappy, and now sort of it's an acting. So we need to get to the mode where, to Joss's point, where we understand that data in our organization is sort of uh, you know one of the fundamental elements. That if that is bad, you know the the whole business is on a shaky foundation, and we can't afford that. And that's sort of the mentality I think we all have to get to. And then you know what are the processes, systems, tools. Um, but also the education that we're giving to our people to say, be careful with this data, you know, use that data um, in order to, to get to the, to the real efficiencies that we're all looking for. Thank you very much. We're just about out of time. What I would like to do, I've got about a minute and a half left. Tara, I just want to read statement number two from you, which I believe wraps this up beautifully. And thank you to you, Tara Gamble. What a pleasure to meet you. I, I was so thrilled when I was introduced to you on our prep call. Josh, always wonderful to have you. And Martin, come back often and come back soon, which you'll do anyway. Here's the statement from Tara. Embracing a digital-first strategy without a customer-centric first mindset is like having the shell of a spaceship without the engine. It might look advanced, but it won't take you anywhere meaningful. I'm going to end on that note. I want to say thank you. What do you think? Good, good Tara, that was a beautiful closing. Right. I yes. want to thank Sherry Meyer. I want to thank Hannah Hale. I want to thank our engineer, uh, Jordan, today at Voice America. And I'm just going to say I'm Bonnie D. And my final statement is... Well, this is Rising Evolution, the future-proof enterprise, talking about the future. People say the future is already here, and I say no. That was yesterday's future. That was the future from 10 seconds ago. That sentence I just had in my mind is now in the past. So let's put our minds and put our hearts together to try and make it a better one. There we go. Everybody wave goodbye. We're right on time. By LinkedIn, by Facebook, by YouTube, by Voice America Business. And Jordan, we're out. Thanks again for tuning in to Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise with Rising, a Wipro company. Rising enables you to create your business journey your way with SAP Technology. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag R-I-Z-I-N-G. That's rising with a Z. Please join us again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively evolving week.